From the creators of Circles of Faith, this is Slices of Life, where friends grow faith, enhance life, and build community together. I'm Kimberly Amici, and today I'm here with Elise Daly-Parker and special guest, Elisa Pulliam. Elisa Pulliam is passionate about seeing this generation impact the next through modeling authentic life transformation, vibrant life purpose, and intentional life-giving relationships. She counts it a privilege to work with women, students, and organizations as life transformation, college and career, and leadership coach in addition to being a life coach trainer, author, speaker, and graphic designer. I'm so excited to have her here with us today. But before we get started, let's do what we do each week and ask an In Your Words question. Ladies, I'd love to know, who is someone in your life that has influenced you for the good? Be it a teacher, a mentor, or a friend. Why don't we let Lisa go first, since she's our guest. Thanks for having me here. I'm glad to share with you. That's a hard question to answer because... Over my lifetime, I feel like I've been influenced by so many women, but um, one really stands out. Her name is Cheryl, uh, Cheryl Hicks. She was a friend uh, in the community that we lived in. We were at a boarding school for 18 years, and we shared space there for at least half of that time, I think. And what I just loved about Cheryl was that she was intentional about speaking life into me and making time for me, um, and it wasn't it wasn't like a formalized program, it was a relationship. And we uh, would connect for coffee, especially like around crisis situations (laughs) where um, I went through some difficult things with my family, my extended family. And Cheryl not only listened to me, but she prayed for me and would send me these emails saying, I was praying for you and this situation last night, or I was praying, um, I was thinking about what was going on. And I really think God has a word for you in this direction. And I don't know. I think of Cheryl and I think of a woman of hope and a woman of faith. And um, in in general with her, I saw her really model humility in her parenting too. Like she'd be quick to admit to me things that didn't work well and what did work well and kind of guide me in that direction in my own parenting. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. What about you, Elise? Well, I would say, yes, I too have been blessed by a lot of uh, women who have come alongside me. And my first thought um, is my grandmother, but I'm going to save her for another (laughs) full episode because I think she's worth it. Um, So I'm going to choose a woman named Lillian Fine. And um, Lillian Fine is a woman who worked in my father's office years ago. Uh, My father was a medical publisher, and I went to work there. I think, I guess my first time was my senior year in high school, between my senior year in high school and my freshman year in college. So it was a big year, uh, a big summer, you know, very exciting, but also kind of scary. And at the same time, my parents were breaking up. So Lillian Fine was a woman who, it was really kind of cool. She, her job was to respond to doctor's letters. So the, the magazine was Medical Economics, and they really taught doctors how to run an office, not just be a doctor. And she would take all the letters from the doctors. So she would respond to them. And, and thinking back, it doesn't surprise me that she was a great listener and would really advise me. I was, um, when it came to my parents' marriage, my gosh, I was a mess. I was a wreck. It was unbelievable what was happening. Our, our, our home life was falling apart, though it had been for years. This was such a formal, um, a formal 
breakup. And Lillian would just like call me into her office and we'd sit and chat. And she was probably, um, let's see, if I was 18 at the time, she was probably 30 plus years older than I was. And um, she, she, my father actually called her his Jewish mother because she was, had been that to him as well. And she just took me under her wing, was intentional, had lunch with me. We probably had lunch once a week that summer. I could cry with her. I could, um, she was probably, now that I think about it, she was probably my first counselor in a way, you know, somebody who really, um, came in above me and was able to listen to me and reflect back. And yeah, she was unbelievable. Lillian Fine, I thank God for her. Mm, That's wonderful. Especially the timing was amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, unbelievable. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone who has influenced me, my friend Brett, um, not a woman, not an older woman, but um, I met him when I was down at working at the 96 Olympics Met, I don't even remember how I met him. I mean, we, I worked with wrestling at the Olympics. He had worked with wrestling. So in that kind of community, you're meeting people. And I don't know what it was, but we got to know each other. And he really made me feel like he saw potential in me. And he mm-hmm. wasn't that much older than me, but he was definitely... I had just graduated college, so he was probably older enough that he had a job. He was, like, living on his own. He had a house. Like, he was kind of doing the real world thing. Yeah. And... um you know, I was living down in Atlanta. Or, oh, I don't even know if I was living there yet. And he took me out to the bookstore and he started buying me all these great books, like all the classic Norman Vincent Peale, um, mm-hmm. The Power of Positive Thinking, Napoleon Hill, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he and, and at that time I had no money. And I was like, you're buying me these books? Like what? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you should read this and you should read this. And and it was right around that time that I started reading kind of the self-help, self-development book anyway. So I kind of like was it was the right time right mm-hmm, if you had given mm-hmm. me those books in college I would have been like you know yeah. I don't need these and he just really was always an encourager always somebody who is um positive and and just helping me to dream and think about where I wanted to be in the future and he didn't seem to have any boundaries on what he believed he could do and um my favorite story that I've I think I've shared before on the blog is that when I finally made the decision to move down to Atlanta, I literally had $65 and whatever I could fit in my little car. I was sleeping on a friend's couch. I had gotten a job, but I needed a bank account, right, to pay all these bills, these student loans that were, like, knocking on my door. And I went to the bank, and they did a credit check. And they said I didn't have good credit, so I couldn't get a, a checking account. And that was, like, new to me because I had come from New York, and you, you know, everybody can get a checking account. Like, I just had one, so why can't I have one now? And I was in tears. I was like, how am I supposed to pay my bills and get good credit if you won't give me a, you know, a checking account? I have money. Like, how does this work? And and I called my mom and she was like, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. Like, kind of did the song and dance. And and then I called him and all he did was laugh at me because he was he actually lived in Colorado. So he had gone back. The Olympics were over. He's just laughing at me. He's like, well, now we're going to see what you're made of. And I was like, that's not what I want to hear. I want you to feel sorry for me. And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, what are you going to do now? That's what's going to determine how this goes. And he's like, you get back in the car and you go to every single bank until someone gives you a checking account. And I had finally found somebody who was willing to give me a checking account. And I don't know how it played out, but it turned out that he went to my church because he'd seen something that I had like written down with my finances because I was believing that God was going to meet my needs. And so we got to talking and then he's like, 
well, let me see what I can do for you. And next thing you know, I walked out with a checking account. Oh. And, you know, it was because he had already set the stage by encouraging me and building me up and, and making me believe that I was capable of doing things. And then at the right time being like, well, what you going to, you know, like challenging me yeah. and not yeah. letting me kind of like stay in that place where I wanted to feel sorry for myself. So, um, I mean, we, you know, we're friends on Facebook. I don't talk to him, um, as much anymore as, as mm-hmm. life goes on, but, um, just a huge, um, influence in my life and really kind of pivotal because I was, I had just graduated college and I was on my own for the first time. So it was a really important time to have that person in my life to kind of set the stage um, and help me kind of have the push I needed to like go into the next chapter. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. You know, I, I have to say when I was thinking about what you were saying, um, I thought Kimberly, actually, I forgot that Lillian Fine was also one of the first people who really encouraged my writing. Hmm. And, um, literally I, I had forgotten that except that she, I'm thinking I was picturing myself in her office and, um, uh, my grandmother had died who had lived with us for years, that other mentor. And Lillian was just part of the person who was like, you know, you need to write about that. And then I got an opportunity to do that in college and she looked over the piece and it, just interesting because mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of her as so connected to my writing, but actually she was. Mm-hmm. And, and the way Brett encouraged you was the way that she encouraged me for that. So that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So the reason why I asked that question is because we're going to be talking about biblical mentoring today. And our guest, Lisa, knows a bit about mentoring. In fact, she wrote um, a book about it. Um, But before we talk about your book, Lisa, I would love to hear the story about your name because your bio says Elisa, but (laughs) I know I call you Lisa and that's what you've asked me to call you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, it's um, a big part of my story. I I think the best place to start is to say that I was born strong and fierce instead of strong-willed. I like to use that expression instead <laughs> because it, if my will is submitted to God, uh, it's a totally different type of personality than if it's about my will. So mm-hmm. I kind of define it, the strong and fierce. I picked this up from a friend, and I'm raising a strong and fierce, so it's always in my face. Yeah. <laughs> but um it's not just my personality that strong, is strong and fierce. I have had some severe anger issues. Uh, I came from an abusive family, and but by the grace of God, um, there's been so much healing in that process, not only in me, but in the lives of my family members, some of my family members. And through that abusive part, I really, I think what was modeled for me became part of me. And then the injustice of being wrongly treated um, just fueled my anger. So you take strong and fierce personality. I could fly off the handle on anything just by my wiring, mm. especially if it's an injustice and combine it with hurt, mm. um, and, and a sense of rejection and a sense of failure and not being good enough. And then you throw in the peer culture where we're always measuring up as teenagers, uh, and, and college. And unfortunately, even I think this age, and um, there just was always something to fuel my anger. And so in my journey uh, of marriage and motherhood, so I've been married 20 years. And I, um, my oldest is 17. And I have an uh, almost 15-year-old and two 11-year-olds. Um, in that journey, uh, I'm giving you kind of a long story here. That's all right. Uh, my husband 
really called me out and said, if you loved us, you wouldn't treat us this way. Mm. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I, I, I put food on the table, everybody's clothed, I pay the bills, I buy the gifts, I run everybody everywhere. Isn't this love? And, you know, and I'm not cursing at anybody. So, you know, isn't that good enough? And, and he really called me out on the attitude of my heart. I went through, um, but by the grace of God, I responded to that. And not initially, turned to a friend and said, can you believe Stephen said this to me? And she said, you need to get help. And I went through a season of counseling, um, which is kind of the foundation of my life transformation story and what I've been writing about the last 10 years. And in that process, I hit a moment with the Lord where I'm like, okay, we've done the counseling, Lord. I'm in Bible study. I'm praying every day. I'm, I'm trying to do everything I can to yield to your way, your will, your word. And what gives? Like I'm still firing, you know, in inappropriate ways. And, um, and he, I remember sitting in my chair having my quiet time with him. He's like, you're like this woman wearing this really disgusting fur coat that you got 20 years ago. And you've worn it like through the worst parts of life and the worst moments. It's stinky. It's gross. It's matted. There is nothing lovely about this coat anymore. And you won't take it off. Mm-hmm. And I want you to take it off. And I want you to live as the new creation I created you to be. I chose you as my daughter. You are holy and dearly loved. It is time to embrace your identity in Christ. And I, I visual, I'm a very visual person, so I could visually see the metaphor that he put into my heart. And I remember thinking to him, like, oh, it's so scary. Like, um, I'll be naked. You know, I'll be naked apart from the weight of that coat and naked mm-hmm. apart from the mm-hmm. covering of that coat. People will see the real me. And at that point, I still hadn't thought that there was anything good in the real me. So I, um, I'm like, all right, Lord, I want to do this. And usually when I feel like the Lord leads me in a direction, I, I kind of get a piece of jewelry or tie a string around my hand or, you know, put a sign up on the wall, something to remind me. I'm, I'm like the Israelite. I forget the minute I walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that moment, I felt I had permission to drop the E in my name mm. so that when people would call me, by name, they would call me Lisa, and it was like this reminder calling out the new creation. Mm, wow. Very and, cool. And, yeah. So that, which turned out to be a little bit of a messy process because some people were very upset about it. I asked my family permission, and they were fine. My mom and sister were like, whatever, we call you whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we're going to call you whatever we want well, anyways. <laughs> and at the time, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't speaking with my dad at that time, which was part of the, the hurt that was going on in my life. Um, and, and then as I moved into more writing and publishing, well, lo and behold, there's other Lisa Pulliams out there. Ah. There's a, a lovely woman that writes for Christianity today by the name of Lisa Pulliam. Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't want people to be confused. So E Lisa is in writing mm-hmm. and anything legal, but in conversation, I like to be called Lisa. Hmm. Very interesting story. story. Yeah. Are you sure your name isn't Elise? <laughs> that story sounds so similar to mine in some ways. I can't even believe it. But um, oh. that's awesome. Awesome. Oh. Yeah. 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 That's the the long very story cool. of the name, but the short story about life. Very cool. Amazing. Yeah, I love. Like, 
been on quite a journey. Yeah, I love the idea of a remind, reminding yourself of the freedom you experience because, oh gosh, when you come up against a trial or you come up against something hard, it's, it, it's so easy to forget the work that God's already done. And, yes. it, and, yeah. and like I have it written down in my journal, but I'm not going through my journal at the time that that's happening. Like, right. you know, it's, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's it's awesome. not, you know, I need to say this too, especially for your listeners who may be in seasons of struggle and think, oh, I just need to change my name and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> let me let me just say this. I, you know, last week I had the worst um, anger moment I've had probably in three years and mm-hmm. just totally lost it. And, yeah. and, you know, in the moment I'm like, oh, I guess I got to put the E back on my name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was really bad. And, and, mm-hmm. and. Um, this is like a thorn in my side, like Paul's thorn in his side. And I think the Lord allows that tension point for two reasons. Um, one, just to keep me totally and utterly dependent on him. And, and two, it is a testimony in my family of what God has done along with what happens when you're not yielded. Hmm. And I think that's a great example to my kids. Like we have a choice in the flesh of how we're going to behave. And in that case, I had to apologize to every single family member and say, I'm sorry, I did not control myself and mm. would forgive me. And I, I hurt people in my anger, and that was not good. And I'm not talking about fist-raising anger. I'm talking about verbal tone and loudness. Not mm. even derogatory comments didn't even come out of my mouth, but right. they could have based on my tone, right? Right. Good point. Yeah. Uh, that, that's. I mean, it's kind of like, um, he, you know, hearing that your language can be, or your, your tone can be violent. Your language can be violent. Your tone can be violent. And obviously we can be physically violent. But I think that's a really important um, recognition to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's not even necessarily what you say. Right. It often can be the delivery. We can, yeah. and, and isn't that true? Like we have people in our lives that, that will never raise their voice, but what they say can cut right to the core yeah. Yeah. just by the, the choice of words or the tone. And I, I really think out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. And that moment then drove me into a deep time with the Lord of what is going on that's causing this to come up. And there mm-hmm. were, you know, you rule out hungry, you rule right. out tired, you rule out, um, you know, is there some painful trigger that has caused this, that, you know, something rose up to the surface, a sight, a smell, um, a, a word, an experience, and then, okay, Lord, what's really going on with life? And, and Friday, this happened on Thursday, and Friday was really a day of regrouping with God and mm-hmm. kind of making some new decisions as a family of how to do life, because the it was the culmination of a lot of things that led to that overreacting yeah mm-hmm. yeah really good that's awesome so you're back to lisa yeah <laughs> i'm keeping the lisa <laughs> praise god so for our listeners who are interested in hearing um more about your story they can find it well you've been on a couple podcasts where you've shared your story and my um absolute favorite favorite was Mud Stories with Jackie Watkins, and that was episode 77, and that's really the long version of what you experienced. And so I encourage our listeners to go out and listen to that podcast, and then just go ahead and type her name into iTunes, and you'll find other places where she shares her story. Another place where she shares her story is in her book, Meet the New You. And um, 
Lisa, would you want to just tell us real quickly a little bit about that book before yeah. we talk about biblical mentoring? I'd love to. Um, so that book, uh, the subtitle of the book is really what the book is about. Um, it's about embracing fresh attitudes and focused habits for real life change. And really, it's a 20 year uh, journey of learning how to live as a woman pursuing God and overflowing that into the lives of the people where God has placed me. And I don't do it as a memoir, although I share my stories in each chapter. What I do is I lay out 21 days uh, for women um, and some men, actually, (laughs) more and more men I'm hearing about reading this book, even though it's written for a female audience, uh, to really evaluate their life and their life choices as they are today so that they can make those mindset shifts shifts into the right direction. Um, and when I say right, I mean biblical, and I mean biblical in light of where God has placed them, who he's called them to serve and impact. So the book uses um, my life coaching uh, experience, and it's divided into five phases that we use in life coaching. So awareness, where are you at today? Um, vision, where do you want to go? assessment, how has God made you and your life, Um, obstacles, what's standing in your way of moving forward, and then uh, finally solutions, what are the practical steps for moving forward. Mm -hmm. And it's built on um, what I call the trap and transform principle. Trap is from 2 Corinthians 10.5, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And then the transform is Romans 12.2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I love that verse in the NLT where it says, um, let God get into your thinking and, and change your living is essentially. Mm, that's good. Um, the t- translation, if you put NLT, NIV, and message all together, that's like the gist of it. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. I love anything that will walk me through practically. Mm-hmm. Um, Elise can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, give yeah. me practical tips. Um, but I, I love that you combined your personal story throughout the book because I really think that stories connects us to the process. And hearing someone's story and how they walked through it, I think, makes it more relatable and accessible. And it doesn't feel like someone's preaching at you. It doesn't feel like somebody else has all the answers, but you've experienced it. And now you're you're sharing it with them. And I love that. Yeah, it's really, um, it probably should be bound in a workbook and it probably should be called 21 months rather than 21 days because the, the, you know, if if that would sell, that would be a better title probably because it really is something that is, uh, you want to dig into it. It's, I'm kind of giving you the idea and then it's the opportunity for you to make it personal and, Mm -hmm. and go as deep as you want. And so sometimes I've recommended read the whole thing, don't answer the questions, don't do the exercises, mm. get an overview in 21 days and get your brain thinking. Yeah. Then go back with it and do the questions. Then go back at it again and do the exercises. And so you, you spend really a year mm. digging deep and, and seeking God for that transformation. I think the worst kind of advice is advice. Mm. Like, <laughs> We, yeah, yeah. we don't listen to what people tell us to do, even if it's in our best interest. We listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, how about this? You need mm-hmm. to change. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Lisa, would you tell me the name of the book again? Yeah, it's uh, Meet the New You, a 21-day plan for embracing fresh attitudes and focused habits for real life change. Mm-hmm. And it's available wherever books are sold, 
in stores and on Amazon and on my websites. Awesome. Great. Sounds, sounds powerful. Mm-hmm. So today we're here to talk about your other book, which is available exclusively on your website, correct? It's also available on Amazon and on my website. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's called Impact Together, Biblic- Biblical Mentoring Simplified. Mm-hmm. So we already mentioned a few of the mentors in our life, people that probably didn't even realize they were mentoring us and impacting us. Um, mm. But I wanted to talk more about this idea of mentorship. My personal experience with being mentored is, I feel like is non-existent. Like I've had people like Brett and I've had people here and there who've kind of changed my perspective, but nothing that's been long-term. I mean, I think I spent a lot of time as a young mom looking around for a mentor, wishing somebody would take me under their wing. I recently moved to New Jersey. I wasn't surrounded by friends. I was involved in a local church, but they didn't seem to have a mentoring program. And so I feel like I did not have that in my life. Um, I wanted a writing mentor and God brought Elise into my life, which was so Mm. wonderful. (laughs) Um, little, little did I know. I mean, I literally had prayed for three years before I had met Elise and then it took another year and a half or two years before we had that kind of relationship where I realized, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I've been praying for. (laughs) And she's been a mentor in so many other ways, but as a young mom, I was, struggling. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I just didn't, didn't know where to look. And, but I also wasn't asking the right people either. Talk to me about why you wrote this book. Sure. I think everything I write is just an overflow of what's happening in my life and either a need or a solution or both. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we lived for 18 years at a boarding school with teenagers, right? In the middle of campus, sometimes in a dorm, sometimes in a school owned house. And the nature of being in that community meant I was surrounded by teenagers, but I wasn't in an official work capacity for like 16 of the 18 years we were at wow. that school. And we were so hands, all hands on deck. We ate meals together. We worshiped together. We had no real free time outside of the structure of the school schedule that my peers became the people who lived in that community. And that meant there may have been three other women that were my age and all the other women were older, younger than me. Mm-hmm. And what I had discovered over the years was that mentoring was happening. And, but the problem was if I was looking for a title, if I was looking for some sort of signed commitment, if I was looking for a structure, I wouldn't recognize it. But that biblical, um, what I call biblical mentoring is, is simply this. One woman following Christ distinctly and making a commitment to overflow that into the lives of the other women around her. And, and as a mom, that's children, you know, their children. As, um, you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, that meant I was overflowing it into the teenagers around me, uh, especially the girls. I think of, um, you know, where Titus 2 talks particularly about the women to the women I I think of it in that context, although I think we can also influence the young men in our lives, too, Mm -hmm. and be influenced by the older men in our lives. Um, So what then I started noticing was this circle of women that God had put around me that were filling the responsibilities of a mentor without the title. Mm -hmm. And 
I began to think differently about mentoring. I, I kind of started to break down the program concept into a relationship concept um, and, and trying to debunk the excuses. So what happened was I started more to be, I think it was 2011, yeah, we're five years this month, and um, that's more, T-O-B-E dot com. Mm-hmm. And in the early years, uh, I wrote a 31-day series on how to do mentoring. I did it in October, and it, it, it got some decent traction. And so from that, led into my first ebook, which was Impact My Life, Biblical Mentoring Simplified, um, which, again, has gotten tremendous, tremendous traction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've hosted mentoring studies online for free. And so, you know, quarterly, I'm seeing 60 to 80 women want more information on how to mentor. And so this past spring, I revised Impact My Life into Impact Together, changed the title, and I expanded it with um, a couple chapters on understanding generational differences Mm -hmm. and how to communicate in light of those differences along with the how to listen, how to ask questions, how to set boundaries, mm-hmm. how, to, how to do it in relationship. What I really love about this new book, Impact Together, is the things that you added about crossing generations and connecting. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part, um, you, did, <laughs> you did like this little quiz. It was yes. like a pop quiz where yes. you took the values and the beliefs of each of the generations Mm-hmm. And you tried to see if people could match up which generation it was, whether it was the traditionalists, the baby boomers, the Gen X, the Gen Y. Mm-hmm. And and then, of course, you gave the answers. And I was – it was just really interesting for me to see. I was kind of reminded that we have – different generations have different experiences. And so those experiences shape what they believe about how we are to react as people and a culture and as, as a generation. And it's so different from the one before and even the one after. Mm, and yes. that to me is like the root of why we're not getting along or why we f- refuse to bridge the gap yes. between generations. Yes. Mm, interesting. Yes. Sounds very insightful. Yeah. Well, it was. it's interesting how it's played out. Since I put that together and started mm-hmm. doing the research, it had been something I've been thinking about for a long time. I've probably read up about the different generations for the last five years. Mm-hmm. And some of it is because I think being immersed in a boarding school culture with teenagers, I think more like a, a Gen Xer than, um, or a Gen Y than a Gen X, which is what I am. Like mm-hmm. I'm on the my age and the way I think doesn't match up with my generational period. And so I've, I've asked the question, like, why? What's going on? How does this make a difference? And interestingly enough, like, my mother-in-law is a traditionalist. So let me explain the generations for a second. So traditionalist is uh, 1900 to 1945, roughly. There's a lot of names that they go by. And then the baby boomers are 1946 to 1964, and then the uh, Gen X is 1965 to 1980, which puts me dead center in the generations. And then Gen Y is uh, 81 to 2000, and Gen Z uh, is 2001 until now, um, present day. The and year so, that they were born, essentially. Yeah. 
So basically, you look at the year you're born, and that describes your generation. And you might be on the young end or the old end of that generation. And there's a group of um, responses based that you know stereotypes based on the generation that you're part of. And really, it's all influenced by experiences. What you were just saying. Mm-hmm. So I started to put this all together last spring, and I was actually going to um, pitch it for a traditional book proposal. And the Lord just kind of stopped me in my tracks and said, you know, this needs to be out there now. And with a traditional book process, it could be two or three years before it would be available. Mm-hmm. I really felt like it was more important to update the resource now. Interestingly enough, the Lord opened a door um, for uh, a mentoring ministry at my church to be revitalized called one-to-one mentoring. Mm. And uh, through a set of circumstances, the need was put forth, the response was overwhelming, and now they need somebody to kind of run this thing. So in the last two weeks, I have been uh, speaking about this topic of mentoring with the women at my church and particularly with the women in leadership who are leading Bible studies. So if you think about it, A Bible study uh, is a natural place for women to develop relationships and connect outside of their peer group. Mm. But if you don't know how to communicate, Mm -hmm. those relationships will develop outside the peer group. So I I had a chance to talk with the leadership teams leading these and facilitating. um, You know, there's like over 500 women taking Bible study at our church. And I um, did this big PowerPoint presentation. So I spent all of last week looking for photos that represented each generational period. Mm. I was undone by God at seeing it visually now and not just in writing. Mm. And, and I think that was really triggered because my husband and I had a chance to be in Hawaii in the middle of August. We went to the Pearl Harbor Memorial. And if you look up pictures of that memorial, you'll see that the oil from the sunk USS Arizona still is rising up out of that ship and discolors the water. Wow, that's wild. Right. So five generations ago, this happened. Wow. And the core value, I get goosebumps talking about this, Mm. the core value of a traditionalist is loyalty. And, and they died for their country. Mm. Young girls wanted to go off to war. There are posters and propaganda about how to fight for your country. But you, you, the, just the next generation is baby boomers, and that's uh, Vietnam War and the mm. entire anti-war sentiment. And, and the baby boomer generation is identified as the most self-centered generation that has existed to date, believe it or not. Wow. Also the first generation for divorce. Mm. And, and so now you have the byproduct. What's Gen X, latchkey kids, Gen Y, digital natives, Gen Z. Um, there's a new expression called K, um, what is it? K-Y-O-G, kids growing older, younger. Mm. Wow. At, at the same time, you've got kids with digital devices on the college track from preschool But you have 20-somethings graduating from college, living at home, playing their video games in, you know, fake digital worlds and not taking ownership and not getting married. Mm. It's like our world has totally changed. Mm -hmm. We wonder why mentoring relationships are breaking down. And it's really because 
we don't share values. Yeah. We don't know how to communicate. You, me holding a phone in my hand, looking on a screen, I, I find that offensive because I remember a day we had a conversation that there was nothing in front of me. But my phone will be on the table to see if I'm being notified of something. So I'm like a, I'm like a cross between two generations mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I allow that offense to influence mm. me, now I don't, I'm offended by this person who's looking at their phone instead of talking to me. Meanwhile, the person sitting over here is offended I even have a phone on the table. <laughs> yeah. All over a stinking little device. So, so it, it's, I think, raising our awareness of where our values come from and how that's influencing our reactions to people and and seeking God to move us into grace with each other mm -hmm. and humility. So I think in the hats that I wear as life coach and as speaker and ministry leader, I, I hear from both groups of women. I hear from the younger and the older, and there's a common theme of loneliness mm -hmm. uh, that they just don't um, feel heard. They don't feel seen. Or especially in the older generation, they don't see how they can step in and speak into someone's life. Like, like that's a real issue. They don't know how to communicate with them in the digital age. Mm. And, and they don't see that they have a purpose or a relevancy because they feel outdated. Yes, I can totally hear that. Yeah, yeah. I, I share in this book um, this really funny situation with my mother-in-law. We invited her to come over for her birthday and we're getting ready to all sit at the table, and she has her iPhone in her hand, which, of course, gave her. Uh, <laughs> and, and she's on it, and I teasingly said to her, I'm like, no screens at the table, Mom. And she goes, I'm not on a screen. I'm checking my email. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, no phones at the table. And she goes, I just need to check this email. And she's like, oh, and I was like, okay. And she goes, I hate this thing because then it wouldn't work and she couldn't do it fast enough. And, you know, the screen probably locked on her or whatever happened, happened. Yeah. And she got all exasperated and sat down. She goes, I just can't wait till Jesus takes me home. Oh. I'm like, hello, this is over a phone. Like, you, mom, we don't want you to leave. Your, your wisdom, you have seen a world that we have not seen. You offer perspective. And, and yet she... That sense of feeling stupid, I think, is really kind of what overtook mm. her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it was fight or flight, and she wants out of here. And I, and I think that's a very common reaction. I think years ago, that was over the VCR or the mm. CD player <laughs> or the, you know, the tape deck or the, you know, yes. whatever yes. the technology is that, the is that you don't know how to use. Mm especially as a female, I think um, you just feel stupid. So then you pull back. It's so, I mean, I have to say, it's so interesting to hear this because, again, Kimberly and I, there's, what, 15 years between us, right, mm -hmm. Kimberly? Yeah. And definitely with Circles of Faith, as we were um, launching that and, you know, uh, I had an experience at Illum that made me realize, Illum, the, the blogging conference, yeah. that I was significantly older than most of the women there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was like, oh, what am I doing here? I'm out of place. Yeah. Um, and then just working with Kimberly, I would definitely say I, I am in awe of the way she can deal with the technology stuff 
for me, it is so frustrating. I feel, I do feel really stupid Mm -hmm. and I feel like I should be able to do this, but I can't. So, um, I think it's, I think I wrestle less with it now and kind of go, okay, I will do what I can, but Kimberly, you really are much better at this. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to help me here instead of just be frustrated that I'm stupid. I'm going to just ask you to help. Or in some cases, just take it over and and deal with it yourself. I don't think I get frustrated, but I do. What you you point out to me, I always say, all you have to do is just do this and just do that. And you're like, stop saying just do. You can't just do that. Absolutely. She would go, all you do is boop, 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 boop. And I'd be like, I have no idea what you just said. And I have no (laughs) idea what you just did. So that is not helping me right now. It's just making me feel stupider. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And so I think that there's a both and solution. I think it's a... Um, how how do we approach it, the younger, approach it in a way that keeps honor and respect and integrity in, in place? Because our pride, I feel like we all have this like kind of pride target in the middle of our chest. Mm-hmm. And uh, the goal is to figure out how not to trigger it in somebody else, right? So you, you come alongside in this honoring way, while at the same time, the older person needs to say, all right, so I really don't get this. Can we spend the first 20 minutes of our time together and you just walk me through it visually and give me a cheat sheet on how to do it? And and it's a both and. I think the worst problem is the shutdown. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And, and I know it sounds so funny to be talking about biblical mentoring and technology, but if you want two women to connect Uh, Is it going to be by phone, by text, or by email, or by Skype, like we are today? I mean, how how is that bringing us together or pushing us apart? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are we willing? And so, in this one-to-one mentoring program that we're revitalizing at church, we have an application process, and one of the questions is, what is the way that you prefer to communicate? So that when we match people, we're going to try to match according to that preference for communication. Now, it will be interesting to see if we have enough mentors to go with the mentees Mm -hmm. or if that question is going to cause a problem. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Gail, I think the key is grace. I mean, I think in my own life, in terms of just family relationships and not that I have to be duplicitous, but I sometimes have to be different with different people, right? So I know certain family members would rather have a call than a text. I know certain family members would love to FaceTime because they know how to do it. And they, you know, like my mom wants to see her grandkids. So she Mm -hmm. FaceTimes us all the time. So just learning, and I'm sure it's the same way in a work environment, Mm -hmm. like getting to know the people that you're around and meeting them in the way that they'd like to be met. Yeah. And and it takes selflessness. It takes mm-hmm. you saying, "Okay, this isn't the way I would do it, but this is what makes them comfortable. This is mm-hmm. what validates them and the way they do things." And it takes us to it takes grace and it takes us to recognize that when mm-hmm. we selfishly mm-hmm. hold on to the way we do things and the way we think and the way we want to get information and then the, the way we want to give information. Mm-hmm. We're not getting along. Right. Yeah. So I, true. When, I, when I did this uh, session at church, I walked through all of Romans 12, which I might go and expand the book again and yeah. add it because God gave it to me in the preparation process. But if you start in the beginning of Romans 12, 
it, it talks about that being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And mm-hmm. in the NLT, it talks about letting God get in to make you think differently. Mm-hmm. But then it moves into this whole unity um, that we're one body. And then it moves into using your gifts in that body and, you know, hospitality, leadership, like there are these parts that are part of the body. Mm-hmm. And then it moves into um, don't think that you have it all figured out. Um, and, and it actually uses, I think, the word arrogant in the um, NLT translation. Like, mm-hmm. you need to be humble in your thinking. And then there's like this crescendo at the end where um, everything you can do to live in peace with one another is the goal. And so I think for every woman out there that's like, I just want a mentor, I would say, are you willing to be mm-hmm. changed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in your thinking and your desires and your expectations to receive who God has already placed in your life, mm-hmm. who's already willing to speak into your life. Are you willing to approach that person differently than what your norm normal is? Mm-hmm. And I, I think for every older woman, uh, and I'd say older is 18 and older, um, <laughs> because there's always <laughs> yeah. pretty younger. Yeah. For every older woman, uh, are you willing to follow Christ distinctly and from an overflow, one verse, one one biblical principle, invest that into the life of somebody else right where you are, mm-hmm. it, I think is key. And I think I really emphasize with biblical mentoring what it is and what it's not. Um, and I shared this with the women at church who are interested in this ministry, is that it's not counseling. Uh, that's why God made counselors. They are mm-hmm. certified and trained and able to deal with mental health issues. It's mm-hmm. not counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not coaching, which... It, it can have elements of coaching, but coaching is really helping a person solve a particular problem. And I don't think that um, a mentoring relationship has to be p- problem-driven. Mm-hmm. I think it could be friendship-driven mm-hmm. uh, and, and have a long-term vision for an ongoing relationship, not just in the moment. How do you si- fix this for me? I also think that it's not meant to be a replacement for the holes in our hearts. So if we lack a mother, mm-hmm. we lack the, the influence of a sister, or, like, or if we, our daughter heads off to college and we have an empty nest and we just want somebody to nurture and care for, I think God can use that space um, and he can bring spiritual mothers around us and spiritual daughters around us. I think, I think that's an important part. But if that's our goal, that we're trying to get something for ourselves, I think we're missing the point of the call of mentoring, where it's about pouring from the overflow and not necessarily sucking up something that we need out of space. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So the, that's kind of my, um, I, I really think it's a matter, it's this overflow concept. Mm-hmm. What, what has God filled us up with that we, right. in the natural doings of our life, impact the next generation with? You can find Elisa Pulliam at moretobe.com, where women are equipped to experience life transformation for the sake of impacting the next generation. More information about her books and other resources that have been mentioned in this episode can be found in our show notes. This is the end of the podcast, but not the end of the conversation. You can join us for part two of our episode on biblical mentoring when you subscribe to our newsletter at circlesoffaith.org. In that show, you'll hear how simple mentoring relationships can be, plus how to recognize mentoring opportunities and ways to be intentionally engaged in them. 
You can find Slices of Life on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Circles of Faith. And if you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show in iTunes or Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode. 